Welcome, everyone, to the Conversations That Matter podcast. We have uh, Judd Saul, who's been on the program before. He's the director of Enemies Within the Church, Enemies Within, a bunch of other documentaries about politics. And uh, also, though, today we're going to speak to him in, in this capacity. Uh, he is involved in missions work in Africa, specifically Nigeria. And uh, his ministry is called Equipping the Persecuted. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about that, where you can find out more information if you want to support with your end of the year giving. Uh, but he just came back from Nigeria. So, Judd, welcome back to the United States. Oh, I, I, I got to say it. Uh, I'm glad to be back. How are you feeling? I mean, sometimes people, missionaries, you know, they'll come back from being in the bush in Africa. They'll eat some interesting things, maybe drink some water that wasn't the best and they don't feel so good. So you're feeling all right or? Oh, I'm I'm feeling really good after good. Uh, after traveling to Nigeria for the last ten years. I kind of know the protocol to try to avoid uh, getting sick. After learning some hard lessons uh, in my early days of traveling there, you kind of know what to do, what not to do, and uh, take necessary precautions. So, thank God this time I'm feeling good. I'm not sick, and uh, we had a very productive trip. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, for those who don't know, what's the situation like in Nigeria, and then what were you able to do? Well, uh, um, I've been going to Nigeria for the past 10 years, but uh, about a year and a half, two and a, about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, we started a ministry called Equipping the Persecuted, which specifically works with persecuted Christians. Um, there are a lot of other organizations we saw that really weren't doing much uh, to help persecuted Christians out there. So uh, we saw several needs and said, and Lord said, um, you know, I can't, you know, Lord kind of told me and um, guided me and said, put you in a position to be here um, uh, to help these people. And so starting about two years ago, we saw or I saw that needs were not being met of persecuted Christians, meaning there the attacks in the security situation are worsening. Um, essentially, what it is, is, is Islam is conquering Nigeria from the north and moving their way south. The Muslim terrorist organization that uh, does things, uh, they go after the small villages. And when I say attack, I mean, they go through and they destroy everything. They burn houses and they kill the slowest that are in their way, which are usually children and the elderly. Mm. And the people, and if one or two people try to fight, uh, fight back, uh, they get killed as well. And after they take over these villages and take over their land, the people are not allowed to come back. If they insist on coming back, they have to pay a fine or a fee, which is what Muslims call jizya, uh, to to uh, come back to your own property, and you have to pay them to come back to your property, and they keep upping the prices, and if you don't pay, they kill you. Um, this is the situation that we're seeing in uh, Nigeria. It was, it was in northern Nigeria, and now it's moving more to central Nigeria. And... Um, these villages, uh, once the survivors, the government says, okay, your village is attacked. Oh, I'm sorry, we didn't protect you. We're going to take a clump of you and just put you over here in this part of the country and fend for yourselves. And so they put them in an area that doesn't have wells, that doesn't, they don't have clean water. Uh, they barely have any type of infrastructure to shelter, to sleep in. And, um, these are Christian brothers and sisters uh, that are, are suffering. And so 
it's it's just uh, been laid on my heart and kind of uh, my calling to do whatever I can do to uh, help and assist them. One of the things that made me interested in this to some extent is the fact that there weren't other ministries doing what you're doing, which I'll let you expand on that in a second. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs is a, is a prominent ministry, and I'm you don't need to comment on them. I, uh, but I'll, I'll say that uh, I was surprised to, to some extent that there's some reporting, limited reporting, that even is used for fundraising, specifically for uh, Voice of the Martyrs, when th they didn't really have people on the ground that were actually doing what needed to be done, in my opinion. And and so you saw this uh, opportunity and this un unmet need and decided to try to meet it. So uh, tell me a little bit about that. What's you're, you're not a big ministry, but you're trying to do something that's actually very tangible and real and not abstract, theoretical, uh, you know, pie in the sky stuff. You're, you're actually on the ground meeting a physical need and a, and a spiritual need at the same time. What does that entail? So if we get when we get word of an attack that happens, we try to respond within 48 hours immediately uh, trying to deliver food and medical aid. And then um, we work with existing camps, people that have been displaced for over a year that are in certain areas uh, where uh, in certain cases, I mean, they're just they're, they're rotting away uh, because of no medical attention and, and uh, no clean water and no medical support. And um, but within 48 hours of an attack, we try to go in, we try to help people. Um, we've we've uh, um, after attacks have happened. Um, even after 48 hours, people kind of scatter. I mean, so they scatter and they, and they go out into the bush, they go out into the jungle and, and kind of the wilderness area. And then there, some of them are wounded. Some of them have gunshot wounds and they're still out there with no med, uh, with no medical treatment. And uh, we've run into some of those situations where we found them and said, wow, okay, you need medical attention immediately. And we get them, we send them to a hospital, we pay for their medical care. We we've paid uh, to a, uh, heal uh, machete wounds on survivors. We've pay, uh, paid to remove bullets removed uh, from bones uh, of people. And um, it's just, it, if the need is there and we have the resources to do it, we try to fill it. And since I've been, I've been going to Nigeria for over 10 years. So I have people on the ground. I have people that really know what the situation is. We, they know what's going on. They, they, you know, we have boots on the ground. And so when, we find a need, we make sure it gets right to the people that need it. There's no transfer to this government entity or this other NGO, non-government organization, where resources will, will shift, uh, you know, change hands three or four different times. No, what happens is, is if there's a need, it goes right from us to those that need it directly on the ground. And um, frankly, you kind of brought it up earlier. There's other missions organizations that uh, will go in, take pictures, um, and then leave and never come back. Uh, they don't have any boots on the ground. They come in, they look at it, they raise awareness, talk about Christian persecution here. Oh we, my gosh, send us a whole bunch of money. There's Christian persecution going on. But rarely do I see any actual organization that has boots on the ground that actually does something. You know, or some say, give us a million dollars. We're going to put political pressure on a Muslim government who is allowing Muslims to kill Christians. It, it, it's stupid. It doesn't work. Yeah. And, and I know you're also trying to provide for security needs as well to give them training. Yes. And, and that's so, a big thing to me because so, go ahead. 
Yeah, so so we, we have to look at preventative measures on top of that. You know, after attacks happen, we can help those that need, but also we have to look at preventative measures. So some of the things that uh, that we've seen become very effective is, is we've been training village security teams on security awareness. How to look for an oncoming attack, or how to spot attacks, are attacks going to happen? Uh, we've installed village alarm systems. So if there's an attack coming, they hit a button, a siren goes off, and people are able to flee in time or give enough warning to get enough people in to try to thwart off an attack. And uh, I was just there, and I met with uh, some village security uh, heads uh, that we had come in and speak with us, and uh, I was greeted with hugs, and I was told by all of them that our efforts have actually stopped attacks. We've thwarted off attacks and saved lives by by providing them basic uh, security training, alarm systems, and we've been providing radios, uh, long-range two-way radios, so they can communicate with one another. See, this is now, the thing that I think hooked me more than any. Sense. Right. And more than anything else, so I think this I, I've had that thought for a long time. I don't think I'm alone in uh, other Americans feeling this way or thinking this, that um, you, there's Christians being persecuted. Is there anything we can do to actually try to stop that or prevent that? Um, I understand I want the gospel to go forward. There's organizations that do that. I, I want them to get food and water. But like it's kind of like a ship that's sinking. Like, can we can we plug the leak somewhere? Can we try to do that? And, and so you're actually trying to do that, which to me is huge. And I, I think to most men, right, men who protect their own families, they feel this way. They, they have these questions and want to see th th those kinds of things happening. Uh, as I'm going to go through some of these pictures uh, that you've sent me, can you just talk a little bit about uh, the other kinds of work? I know you've been in churches and Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Are you trying to get gospel literature out there? Do they already have oh. gospel literature? Give, give me a little bit of a lay of the land as far as the spiritual condition. So uh, one of the things happens is like, so when villages are attacked, the first people that are attacked are pastors. Uh, there's, there's, if you're a pastor in, in, in Nigeria, Northern Nigeria, middle Nigeria, you have a target on your back and um, they like to, they like to destroy churches. They like to kill pastors. Um, and so when these churches are destroyed, all the Bibles are destroyed, biblical educational materials destroyed. So we go in, we, we give them Bibles, we give them biblical education material, and we also provide supplies to help them rebuild churches. Because, you know, this, this is a shining light in darkness. A church is a shining light in darkness. And uh, one of the things that I said is that we are not going to let thugs come in your village and destroy the church and destroy the shining light in your area. We're going to help you rebuild. And so along with that, um, so we give them biblical resources. And, uh, and in many instances, uh, people have seen what we've done, like locals have seen what we've done for these churches. And it's actually emboldened their faith. And we've seen many come to know Christ because we've actually shown that Christians from America actually care about these people being afflicted in another country. We have, we've seen many come to know Christ because of showing this example. And we don't do any good deed without presenting clearly the gospel. Mm. So that's one thing. It's not just humanitarian. Enough, everything we do is accompanied by the clear presentation of the gospel. And everywhere we go, we see people come to know Christ. And it's uh, the, the ministry is really bearing fruit, but it also gives a lot of Christians hope and, and helps encourage them in their faith. 
for those watching, I'm playing some of the videos you sent me, Judd. Uh, one of them right now is a young man who is uh, talking. I have it on mute, but uh, in a village, uh, we just played a uh, video of, I think, it, it, your team handing out some lollipops to children. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's two false gospels that I get concerned about that are being exported from the United States around the world that are doing wreaking havoc, major destruction. The prosperity gospel is the first one. Oh, and the man. social justice gospel is the second one. And um, and I know you're not in favor of either one of those. Can you tell no. me, though, if those have those ideologies made it over there, those corruptions of the faith? I don't see so much of the social justice gospel in Africa because the social justice concept just doesn't make sense there. I mean, you know, what I mean, it like it, it just doesn't make sense in Africa because uh, they're facing real oppression, real poverty, and it's done by other uh, people of the same um, skin tone as they're facing. So the social justice, white privilege narrative, all the all that stuff, it just doesn't make sense in a place like Nigeria. But what yeah. has been what has been insane is the prosperity gospel. Um, we are seeing we're we're seeing this bad theology spread like wildfire. And we've gotten a chance to uh, preach and speak to pastors and speak to leaders, and we're trying to correct this theology. We're trying to get them away from this and, and get them into more of a, you know, get them into a, a, a better doctrine, if you will. And um, one of the other things with doctrine, and this is, this is what's crazy, um, I met with 30 pastors uh, two weeks ago in Nigeria, and I was talking to them about biblical worldview. I was sharing with them about um, why they, you know, why Christians need to be involved in their culture, why they need to be involved in politics, why they should start paying attention to these things. And we were giving, you know, essentially anti-pietism. Pietism has been rampant throughout Nigeria, and that's why Christians have sat on their hands and let themselves be taken over like this. And uh, we had pastors come up to us after talking to them about this and sharing with them biblical reasons why they need to be involved. They were taught as pastors that even talking about politics was a sin. Wow. Wow. They were told it was a sin and they were scared of even bringing it up because they had been taught somewhere, somewhere down the line from some missionary that talking about politics was sinful. Yeah, that's a big problem. And you look, and then, but then you couple that with prosperity. I mean, I've never seen such wonky theology in my life. But the fact is, is they wanted, they were open to hearing the truth. They were grateful. They were in tears and they loved what we had to say and they want more. Hmm. So what I'm saying is, is that there's a, uh, there's a people that are ready for a true gospel, a, you know, ready for good doctrine. Because frankly, I'll say this, Nigerians are beginning to realize and see how they've been abused by the prosperity gospel. Who are these guys with the guns? <laughs> You're showing the picture now of you and it uh, looks like. Oh, a, yeah. Yeah. OK, those those are our that's our those are our security uh, uh, guards. Oh, OK, uh, you hired uh, them to yep. accompany you as your. Yep. We, gotcha. we can't we, we cannot go anywhere um, outside of a major city without security. Uh, it's, it's just too dangerous. And, mm. uh, there, there are, um, people that put on fake uniforms, pose as police, they'll pull you over, rob you, kidnap you, kill you. Um, but if you have, if you have a, a hired military guard with you and, and some type of an escort, it avoids a lot of those situations. So, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have to travel 24 seven with security uh, for safety. And um, it's just the nature of doing missions in Nigeria. There was a picture I had shown. Let me see if I can find it again. It looks like it's not here. There was a, a church that had been, it looked like uh, bombed out or something. I don't know if I, yes. there it is. Yeah. yeah, that's, that is a, that is a picture of a destroyed church. Um, From the they, a Muslim terrorist attack? Muslim, Muslim terrorist attack on a church. They went and destroyed everything, uh, collapsed the roof. They burned the instruments, uh, burned the Bibles, destroyed the chairs, everything. Everything that you would have in a church completely destroyed. Wow. And uh, and so we provided that particular church, we provided them resources in tin to rebuild, tin to rebuild their roof. We gave them some money for chairs and we gave them money for Bibles. Wow. And you're, I mean, you're, what you're doing is so unique. Other people, other ministries, I should say, aren't in that area doing the same kinds of things. Is there anything else that uh, is unique to um, equipping the persecuted that you want to mention or? Um, well, we're in the, we're in the process of building an orphanage. Um, oh, wow. We're, in, we're uh, there is a, there's a massive need uh, there, because of the increase in attacks. Uh, parents are getting killed. And uh, the, some of these uh, villages that are moving to IDP camps don't have the resources to help take care of these children. So we started construction on an orphanage and uh, we hope to have that complete uh, by the middle of this year. Uh, we'll be able to house up to 50 kids and then hopefully expand it to 100. And, um, and then, and the other thing with orphans is, is that uh, if the Muslims get a hold of these orphans, they take them and they essentially enslave them. They, uh, they make them, they become slaves for, for, and they get beaten on, they get, don't get taken care of, they get no education. And so that's a very kind of crucial part. If we see a Christian kid that's an orphan, orphan, we want to get them into a safe place. We want to get them educated and we want to make sure that they can grow up and, and be productive and not be slaves to some imam. Let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm watching this video, you're panning out uh, the lollipops and these kids, you know, in, a, in the United States, there's uh, kids, especially in certain areas, would probably be running all over each other. And the, I don't know, I'm just impressed. They're so orderly. They're waiting their turn. I mean, are, are they different? Are they more disciplined? What's the what's the difference here? Um, the, the kids, the kids in Nigeria are more disciplined. Uh, they still have a uh, um within the culture it they have a respect for authority uh they have an ingrained respect for authority uh within their culture um they respect leaders they respect the elders of their villages um and uh a lot of you know don't get me wrong there are times where you get swarmed but when somebody says hey get in order they line up wow they line that, up because they, they have respect yeah. for their elders. That's impressive uh, to me. You don't, I don't know. I just don't see that as much today. So, and yeah, and um, then what, well, and then the video you're seeing right here, this, this, so this was a camp that we had not been to before. Um, go back to the video. This right here. Yeah. This, this right here. And then the picture of the lollipops, this was a camp that we had not been to before yeah. uh, that we went to this time. And we went in and the government put these people way out in the middle of nowhere, away from main roads. And they just plopped them in the middle of this land. There's no water wells. And the video really doesn't do it justice, but these everybody had diseases on them. I mean, you could see the just the the, the smell, the um the 
the ailments that these people had, and they thought the world forgot about them. Wow. They completely thought the world forgot about them, and Muslim uh, locals had been harassing that village. They had one vehicle that the Muslims shot up uh, three days before we got there. And, I mean, so they had, I mean, we're talking traveling pretty far just to go get water to bring back to the village. So um, by the end of this week, uh, we provided the costs and organized for that to that camp to have a well. They're getting a well being drilled this week. And so we're, uh, um, they're going to, by the end of this week, they're going to have fresh water for Christmas. Well, praise God for that. That's great. But, uh, but this is, it's just another situation where uh, they need all the help they can get. And um, we're doing all we can. And, but this is, this is one of many camps across Nigeria that uh, we came across, but this is, if it, if it comes across us and we find out about it, we're not one and done. We're going to continue to help support them however we can. What can people do uh, to go and support your ministry? Um, uh, they can support us at www.equippingthepersecuted.org. That's www.equippingthepersecuted.org. Uh, you can donate online. Um, also, we're as, as the ministry expands, we're looking for people that want to go. Uh, that want to go minister, uh, uh, maybe help out with our orphanage, uh, uh, with construction and get that built. But uh, first things first is keep the ministry in your prayers. Keep our local team in your prayers. Um, every time they go out to do, an, to do an intervention, to go support a camp, they go and drive through dangerous territory. They put their lives at risk to go help people. Um, so pray for our safety, pray for their safety. Um, and yeah. Uh, Anything you feel led to give would be much appreciated, and it goes right into the hands of those that need it. A few things I wanted to say. I had someone reach out the other day and wanted to know what they could do to support missionaries who they could be assured weren't on the woke social justice train. And uh, this is one option for you. Um, If you're in a Southern Baptist church, Lottie Moon offering, that's going to the international mission board uh and you don't really know exactly where where that's going to wind up in the long run and um if you want to be confident then i would say give to a missionary you know give to a ministry that you're familiar with uh judge someone though that i know that um is certainly obviously not on that train he just produced and directed enemies within the church and uh and the other thing i wanted to say is you can see from from this kind of work i just wanted to make the point that uh oftentimes we are accused, uh, those on our side of the social justice debate, of not caring about the poor, of being racist, of uh, just heartless, essentially. And I think you can see that that's not accurate. You have a, a man here who has just directed a film against social justice, who is helping people who don't look like him as far as their tone of their skin and uh they are christian brothers and sisters we love them we want to help them we support them and uh we're the ones actually out there right on the ground doing something about it and so this really does poke a hole in that whole narrative and i the reason i mention it is because many people listen to my podcast for content on social justice and what's happening in evangelicalism and oftentimes rewarding off these horrible accusations against people like us and uh and, and it's just it's slander, really, at the end of the day, that uh, people would say those kinds of things um, 
So th this is something that you can get involved with. It's not something that um, requires belief in social justice. And in, in fact, social justice really hampers this kind of thing uh, and, and it gets you stuck in the weeds. Uh, this is the kind of charitable work and, um, and also ministry work that we need to be engaged in uh, as believers in our own communities, but also as we have opportunity across the world. So this is one of those opportunities. And uh, it is 501c3, I believe, right, Judd? Your organization. Yes, sir. So you can get your tax write-off too if you donate to this organization. Uh, Judd hasn't paid me anything to say any of this. I'm, I, I care about this ministry. I care about the people of Nigeria. And I hope they go one day as well. So uh, Judd, keep up the fantastic work. Thank you for sharing with us. Thanks for having me on, brother. Appreciate it. All right, God bless. Have a Merry Christmas. Thanks. You too. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.